Before I start this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly Podcast, the usual word of thanks to the photographer who took the photograph which adorns the cover art. It's Sora Shimazaki at Pexels. Let's crack on with it. Hello and welcome to this week's Financial Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Coke-Bride. The world of financial crime has had another very busy week, plenty on sanctions, money laundering, and a whole host of cyber attacks, and we'll talk about those later. As usual, the links to the principal documents mentioned in the podcast are in the podcast description. Let's start with sanctions. Over to the US, where a former special agent with the FBI in New York, together with a former Soviet and Russian diplomat, have been charged, arrested and charged, with alleged violation and conspiracy to violate sanctions imposed on Russia. Charles McGonagall and Sergei Shestakov have been named in court documents and the FBI continues to investigate the allegations. The link to the press release from the US Department of Justice is in the podcast description. Sticking with the US, the US Department of the Treasury's Office of Foreign Asset Control has increased each civil penalty for 2023 by 7.7%. The increases came into effect on the 13th of January this year. Now, this is an interesting story. The Guardian reports this week that the UK government has allowed a law firm special dispensation to avoid sanctions against Wagner Group founder Yevgeny Prigozhin, or Prigozhin. You'll be familiar with the Wagner Group. The Wagner Group has been mentioned a lot. It's the private group of mercenaries employed by the Russian state to fight in Ukraine. The reason they asked for this special dispensation, this law firm, was so they could act for Prigozhin in relation to a libel action brought against Elliot Higgins, who is the founder of Bellingcat, the investigative reporting group. Uh, Discreet Law received the permission to engage with Prigozhin according to documents which have been released by Open Democracy. In light of the news, the UK Treasury has hastily announced, in fact, they announced the next day, a review of the process which allowed the representation to be made. The link to the story on Open Democracy is in the podcast description. Now, sticking with the Wagner Group, the US Department of the Treasury this week sanctioned the group as it posed, quotes, a significant risk to transnational criminal organization. The action, coordinated with the Department of the State, targets the infrastructure that supports battlefield operations in Ukraine, including producers of Russia's weapons and those administering Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine. The link to the Treasury Department press release is in the podcast description. Uh, Following much of the rest of those countries which have further sanctioned Russia following the recent indiscriminate missile attacks by Russia on not only Ukrainian civilians but also civilian infrastructure, Japan has this week also tightened its sanctions regime to add further goods to those already listed in the export ban, together with a freezing of the assets of certain Russian officials and entities. And finally this week, Not much happening in the EU, but you might understand why when I talk through these comments, but there has been a bit of action. The EU EU has proposed an extension of the sanctions regime 
it currently has in place against Russia to Belarus. Belarus, of course, has been a vocal and consistent supporter of Russia since it invaded Ukraine last February. The proposal would align both sanctions regimes. Further, the Czech Foreign Minister, Jan Lipavsky, has indicated that the bloc should introduce more sanctions against Russia's technology sector to limit Russia's ability to produce armaments. However, there is always a fly in the ointment when it comes to the European Union and its attempts to impose sanctions on Russia. And of course it is the Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban who has said this week that Hungary will veto any attempts by the European Union to sanction Russia if those sanctions will affect the Russian nuclear energy industry. I suspect that will rumble on. Now, we'll stick with all things Ukrainian and so on and move to stories relating to corruption, where President Volodymyr Zelensky has promised to put combating corruption at the heart of its traditional policy objectives once he gets the other things which are going on out of the way. Speaking earlier this week, he said that corruption wouldn't be tolerated, especially as some of the allegations which have been made against senior officials, officials relate to corruption in military procurement and come against the backdrop of the dismissal of Vasilil Lozyski, Deputy Minister of Development of Communities, Territories and Infrastructure. He was dismissed on corruption charges. The total number who have been dismissed since or, or resigned since Saturday amounts to 15. If Zelensky is as committed as it seems to root out these issues of corruption, we may well expect more on this in coming weeks. Now, just to finish on corruption, we move to the EU in a story which I admittedly missed last week, but which undoubtedly has found its momentum from the Qatar corruption scandal, which has drawn in a number of senior EU officials and MEPs. And it is that the European Commission has launched a public consultation on its initiatives to combat corruption. The link to information about the consultation is in the podcast description, and it remains open for anybody who would like to respond to it until the 17th of February. Now we move to crypto. Crypto's been in the news a lot recently, and there's an interesting story on crypto popping up in the United Kingdom. The Financial Conduct Authority, which is the conduct regulator for financial services in the United Kingdom, has indicated that 85% of crypto firms who applied for a license to operate in the UK failed to meet the FCA's, the Financial Conduct Authority's, minimum standards for regulation. The information came out in correspondence received from the FCA by the Treasury Select Committee, which is a committee of the United Kingdom Parliament. This is the following is an extract from the story on the Parliament website. It reads, first, the FCA found that key personnel lacked the appropriate knowledge, skills and experience to carry out their roles and control risks effectively. In a small number of cases, the financial regulator identified likely financial crime or direct links to organised crime and referred the firms to law enforcement agencies. During the evidence session, the Financial Conduct Authority revealed 
that a significant proportion of crypto firms' applications were of a poor standard, with only 5% being progressed on the first attempt. The regulator outlined that 73% of the applications have been withdrawn or failed, which was the most significant withdrawal or failure rate they have seen when taking on a new remit. Links both to the press release and copy correspondence are in the podcast description. Allied to this story, I suppose, is news that the Financial Conduct Authority has launched a new page on its website providing feedback on good and poor quality applications made for authorization by crypto asset firms. The information is aimed at current and potential crypto asset applicants, as well as consultants and trade associations operating in the field. The link to the new pages on the website can be found in the podcast description. Now, just a brief bit on money laundering, a couple of interesting stories on money laundering, both from the United Kingdom. The first is another example of this continued crackdown by gambling regulators on the gambling industry in order to get its house in order because of failures of social and and social responsibility and anti-money laundering obligations which are imposed upon them. The UK Gambling Commission has fined InTouch Games, which operates a number of websites for gambling purposes, £6.1 million for failures in its social responsibility and AMLR. That's anti-money laundering regulations. Specifically in relation to its anti-money laundering, the press release, which is in the podcast description, provides as follows. Anti-money laundering regulations failures included not adequately taking account of the risk of a customer being a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, having links to high-risk jurisdictions, or being a politically exposed person, a PEP, a family member of a PEP, or known close associate of a PEP within its money laundering and terrorist financing risk assessment, not having policies, procedures and controls in place to address the risk factors mentioned above, not sufficiently considering the Commission's money laundering and terrorist financing risk assessment or the Commission's guidance, not ensuring its policies, procedures and controls were implemented effectively, for example, not following its own policy to request a source of funds information from customers who had deposited and lost £10,000 in a 12-month period. The press release also reminds us that This is the third time that the corporation concerned has been the subject of regulatory action by the Gambling Commission. The fines have been getting gradually larger, which might well have been expected by whoever was managing the company's legal and compliance risk. That's that story. Now to the National Crime Agency in the United Kingdom, which has published its Suspicious Activity Report, Annual Report 2002. While the link to the full report is in the podcast description. Headlines from from the press release include the following. Another record set in the last financial year with 901,255 SARS received and processed, which is a 21% increase on the previous year. And £305.7 million has been denied to suspected criminals as a result of defence against money laundering requests which is a 120.6% increase on the 138.6 million denied in 2020-2021.
Now, just a quick story on market abuse before we consider a couple of interesting fraud stories. First, the market abuse. The UK Conduct Regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority, has initiated criminal proceedings against five people who are alleged to have committed insider dealing, bringing profits of around £1.5 million. The five, one of whom is a former analyst at Janus Henderson, are scheduled to appear at Southwark Crown Court on the 22nd of February. The five have indicated not guilty pleas. Link to the FCA press release is in the podcast description. Now, a couple of brief fraud stories. One, touching on something last week when we looked at some changes or amendments which have been indicated to the Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill, which is currently going through the United Kingdom Parliament. First, at the House of Commons report stage of the Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill on Wednesday this week, the Security Minister, Tom Tugendhat MP, confirmed the government intends to introduce a failure to prevent fraud offence into the bill when it progresses to the House of Lords. This offence has been trailed for some time, so it should come as no real surprise that this has been proposed. To end, substantive stories this week before we go through the list of cyber attacks, and that is that the Insolvency Service in the United Kingdom has announced banning orders and, in one case, suspended prison terms against individuals who abused the bounce-back loan COVID support scheme. We've covered this a lot in previous episodes of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, so I don't really want to say any more, but if you want to look at those stories in particular, the links to them are in the podcast description. And finally this week, I thought it would be quite interesting just to give you an indication of the sheer scale of the problem relating to cyber attacks. I just thought I'd list those cyber attacks which have been brought to my attention this week through my reading of the financial and other bits of press. So first of all, Yum, which uh, has brands under it of called KFC and Pizza Hut and Taco Bell, which will be famous, uh, familiar to people who well, anywhere in the world, really, they have been subject to a cyber attack, apparently affected a number of their restaurants. Also, Oslo-based DNV, which is one of the world's top ship classification firms, suffered a ransomware cyber attack on January the 7th, but it confirmed it this week in a statement. It said that it affected some 1,000 ships. Telecom subsidiary T-Mobile US has been hit by a cyber attack affecting 37 million customers. Again, this is just a report. The cyber attack was in fact detected on the 5th of January. Riot Games, and this is a story which has bubbled this week. Riot Games, which I've never heard of, but they produce some famous games, has suffered a cyber attack where game source codes have been stolen and a ransom has been demanded. Arnold Clark Arnold Clark, the large car dealer in the United Kingdom, has been hit by a major cyber attack, which has been claimed this week by the Play ransomware gang. In Canada, the National Research Council has confirmed this week that it was a foreign cyber attack, which took it offline in March 2022. Looking for a holiday? Well, Australia's Lord Howe Island was the subject of an X-rated cyber attack, where anyone who visited the website was presented with what you might expect from what has been described as an X-rated cyber attack. I'll leave it to your imagination, I think. Now, 
What else? Well, the World Economic Forum has interestingly said this week at its meeting in Davos, uh, it's included for the first time widespread cybercrime and cyber insecurity in their top 10 global risks. Scarcely surprising. As we continue with the cyber attacks this week, Exco Technologies, the Canadian manufacturer of die-cast tools and car parts, has been the victim of a cyber attack which affected production. Ticketmaster has apologised to Taylor Swift, whose fans are called Swifties, I discovered this week, and her fans during a US, US Senate hearing for the impact of a bot attack on the purchase of tickets last year. There has been another cyber attack on a US city. Alexander City in Alabama has been the subject of a ransomware attack. Couldn't really get any more detail on that because every website I tried to look at on that story banned me because, well, of the GDPR. Now we move to Canada. Okanagan College, a British Columbia community college, has indicated this week that a cyber attack on its system earlier in the month may have compromised the personal information of some students and employees. And finally, on the cyber attacks this week, Guildford School in Surrey, England, has confirmed it suffered a cyber intrusion which impacted its IT systems and phone lines. A couple of stories linked to cyber this week. Interestingly, Eurocell has confirmed that it received £1 million in an insurance payout after a cyber attack last year. Linked to this is news that state-sponsored and war-related cyber attacks could be included in the United Kingdom's terrorism reinsurance scheme. Now, this is quite interesting, this development, because of a story we picked up towards the end of last year, beginning of this one, relating to the news that cyber events may become uninsurable, something which has now been picked up across the wires. Frankly, I expect this to run and run, and I'll certainly be keeping an eye on it. And some positive news in terms of the fight back against cyber, and that is several law enforcement agencies reported this week a global and coordinated action which has resulted in the takedown of the Hive ransomware threat. I've linked to that story on the National Crime Agency website in the UK, though there are other agencies that have reported it, in the podcast description. Whew. I thought I might include that every week, a list of cyber attacks and stories around cyber, because it seems to be, as I predicted, one of the prevalent things for 2023. So I thought it might be nice to summarise the sheer scale of the threat every week, and I plan to do that from now on. That's it for this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly Podcast. If you want to do so, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll hear from me again, all being well, next Sunday with the usual roundup of all things financial crime. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>